Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Is it safe to say that, that we, uh, we don't like to wait for anything? Is that fair? Scott, what do you think, man? Are you patient? Do you like to wait? So that was a no for anybody. Just wanted to reinterpret that for you. <laughs> you know, we, we live in a, a super fast-paced culture. Perhaps that's why some of you have moved to Warrensburg. You know, and, and I mean that with, with sincerity. I, my, my wife was uh, in the city this last weekend, and she was like, I don't even know why, how there's there that many people on cars that, like that late at night. Where are they all going? What do they do? Why are the shops still open? You know, what's like, what is this? It's crazy. Like, you know, it, she, she went to a crafts fair at, uh, what do you call that place? If she was here, she could talk to me. <laughs> Crown Center. Somebody beautiful, just worship. Huh, I could tell by your voice you were, yeah. So Crown Center, I don't know who goes to crafts at Crown Center, but apparently the whole world actually likes to do that, you know. So she got the chance to parallel park in a in a parking garage and do some other things. Yeah, it's a good thing I just bought her a bigger car than she's used to, but you know, you know. But she got she got to taste firsthand. You know, that, that this, especially the city life, that it's a fast-paced life, that, that just things are popping, things are happening all the time. They're busy all the time. You know, and, and I, I, I know that some of us have moved here because of that, but the truth is it's just kind of part of our culture, whether Warrensburg or Kansas City, right, isn't it? I mean, honestly, how many of you like, you know, microwave popcorn? You know, we, so we, we, you understand, like, you, you just put some kernels in literally any vessel you want. You could microwave it on your own. Like you could, like you could just a little butter in a pan. And it, they pop in like two minutes anyway. No, 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 no. We need to shave 30 seconds off that thing, right? So we invent microwave popcorn because the other method just wasn't fast enough. <laughs> right? we, 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 don't, we don't like to wait for anything. We, 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 live, in this, we live in this period of time where... You know, I, how many of you in here grew up without internet and cell phones and all that stuff, right? See, these are my people right here, you know? I didn't have, we didn't have internet until I was a senior in high school, and even then it was like, and we spent the entire library hour waiting, God help us, for one thing to pop up on the computer so that we could do our research assignment. Half the time they just were like, it's good enough. We're just trying this new thing. Bill Gates doesn't know what he's doing over there. What's the other guy, Al Gore? Okay, that's all I got to say right there. <laughs> but we live in this era now where it's like, I don't even need to know what an encyclopedia is, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of those who have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, because it's like, you don't need to know which volume it is on the shelf, and then like, what requirements do I even use to look up something with, right? No, we just pull out this crazy little device that literally controls satellites from NASA. It's like... <laughs> I had nothing, like, I had a big old brick computer growing up, like, everything that that thing, this pale, like, this thing, it pales in comparison to this, that's what I'm trying to say, right, and, and all I have to do, probably it'll, I have to cover it up right now so it doesn't say something, you know, I just have to quickly ask literally anything, and in an instant, it pops up, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, it wasn't that long ago that we moved from 4G to 5G, why, because 4G was too slow, <laughs> Think about that. 
You know, everything that we want is, is right there at our fingertips. The answers to questions. The, I, I've, got a, I've got an Instapot, rice, what do you call it? Uh, air fryer, Instapot, ninja. It's a, it's a ninja. That's what it is. It's straight up a ninja. That's what that thing is. It's even black, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I throw three cups of rice in there because my kids are fat. Or they're like brick houses. Everyone, have you seen my oldest son lately? Good gravy. I don't want to wrestle him anymore. I get hurt. We throw three cups of rice in there because the boy eats a lot. And he still comes over and begs all our food off of us, even though he's married and gone. <laughs> you know, and it cooks it in less than like four minutes. It's just like, whoa, that is perfect rice in four minutes. Like, I don't have to wait for a millennia for my, even for my rice to get in. Just the simplest of things, but we take it so for granted uh, that, that this is a culture of everything just popping. Everything is fast-paced. Everything is right at the, the uh, just literally right at hand. It's available to you. You know, the other day I purchased something off of walmart.com. I kid you not, some total rando pulls up in a car on my front lawn, like within two hours. Uh, here's your delivery, sir. I'm like, what, what, my delivery, what, what are you doing touching my package? I'm like, who even are you? Just some random person they hired to deliver, but I got it within two hours from Walmart. Like, that's the world we live in. I mean, Amazon's talking about like drone deliveries, like within the hour and all this crazy stuff. Right? And it, we become conditioned in this kind of a culture to think that, well, waiting is bad. We don't really like it. And let's be honest. Let's just, everybody be honest. Do you really like waiting anywhere? Like, let's just say you go for a hospital visit. I mean, is there anybody who's sitting there like, oh, this is great. I just get to relax here with all these sick people in the waiting room. Yeah, said nobody ever. Thank God we have cell phones now. We can at least keep ourselves entertained for a minute, right? I'm like, there ought to at least be some sort of system like a restaurant where I can call ahead, you know what I mean, and skip some of the waiting. <laughs> the scary, dangerous part is that God's not nearly as adverse to waiting as what we are. And, and he doesn't mind that you're waiting. In fact, I, I would suggest that it's, it's actually part of God's design. Oh, God help us. You know, I mean, if we had just absolutely nothing to do, like the apostles in the old days, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, whatever, man. We'll just wait around forever. Listen, but we are like the most fast-paced, you know, do it right now, yesterday, you know, people on the planet. But how many of you know we serve a God who doesn't change? It's part, of his, it's part of his recipe. And it's like so many things in our faith. I don't particularly like it. You know, like that whole verse, the righteous will live by faith. I'm like, why is everything tied to faith, Lord? Why can't you just, you know, it's like I don't really like some of those verses. Like it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Like, why don't you just tell me the answer? I'm a microwave generation guy. I've already asked, just deliver instantly. You ever ask God something and you're like, I asked a question, like, I think we're the only ones uncomfortable in that moment, but he's perfectly happy because he's got a plan. 
and he's executing it. I, I think of stories like Abraham. Uh, any Bible readers in here remember the story of Abraham? You know, Abraham is long considered, Bible says, he's the, he's the, the father of our faith, even ours. He's the father of our faith. Like, this is a critical person in history. Uh, but did you know, like, like and by the way, and, and, and like God visited him in a, in a pretty profound way, uh, in a way that ultimately changed the course of history. Remember the stories, right? You realize that God visited him when he was 75 years old? So I, I don't know. I tried to look at it. I don't know when he married his wife, but I'm thinking it was a bit before 75, so he had already waited on the promise of a child for who knows how many years. He's 75 years old. God shows up and he says, hey, I'm going to do something significant. I, I know you've been trying for a while now and you haven't had any success. But, but I'm going to release something significant. I'm going to release a child to you that's going to change the fabric of the world as we know it. He's going to be significant. He's going to actually be the start of something so big that you can't even count it. He's going to usher in an entire nation of people through which the Savior of the world will eventually come and all nations will be blessed. First of all, can you imagine having an encounter with God like that? Now, I, I don't know about you, but when God comes to me and says hey, uh, you're going to, and by the way, I say God comes to me. You know, I, I wish like, you know, the heavens parted and God walked out and the thunder clapped and God spoke and light. Okay, that would be amazing. You know, but even in these scriptures, you'll come to realize that God speaks to most of us in a sense, a small voice, a little nuance, a little nudge. So when I say you know, God would come to speak to me, I don't want you to get a bigger picture of that than, than what it is. It's a, it's a little nudge. It's a nuance. It's a still small voice. It's something that requires the, the, the faith to rise up on the inside of me, to be able to hear and to follow and to execute. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but like if, if God came to me like Abraham and, and God said, you're going to birth this thing or the, like this ministry or this is going to happen, or, like literally you're going to bring forth like anything, whatever you can decide. Like this is going to, this is your destiny. This thing is coming forth. Like I'm thinking like if God was, like if it was so important for God to show up and communicate those things to me, like that's a now word. I am ready to execute literally right. When, are, when am I going to see? Like, it's your night, Sarah. Put on the candles. I'm just saying, like, I'm going to execute immediately because, like, the word's going to come to pass immediately. That's just how I think. I'm like, you spoke to me. Like, that now, now it's go time. What's the holdup? How many years do you think it took between the, the release of the word of God at 75 years old and, and the execution of that promise, the fruit of the, or the fulfillment of that in Abraham's life. Any Bible scholars in here? Say that again. Who was that? Betty, you are amazing. Don't you ever do Bible trivia with this woman. She will win every time. 25 years. 25 years, guys. Like there's people in this room haven't even been alive 25 years. All right. I'm, one of the, uh, I'm not even one of the old. I have to say I'm one of the older people. I've been, I've been married 25 years. Like, that's a long time. Am I wrong? 
Like, is it safe to say that's like a significant portion of most of our adult lives? 25 long years. God shows up to Abraham. He releases this powerful word. And I'm guessing Abraham's a man just like you and I. And I'm guessing probably he was like, boy, this is going to be amazing to see the fulfillment of that. And, And year after year goes by and there's absolutely nothing that happens. See, that's where the enemy wants to slip in. This is the the moment of time where the enemy comes to us and he goes, did God really say? And listen, in that moment, after a couple of years post-word have gone by and literally nothing has been made manifest in your life, it doesn't matter if it was a lightning bolt and the white rider from heaven on the the white stallion breaks the clouds and speaks audibly. It doesn't matter at that moment. You're still doubting. Am I just, is it just my humanity or am I talking to the right crowd? Like a couple of years in, you were like, maybe it was pizza. And the enemy, he always plays the same card, but we've got to recognize it. He always comes and he says, did God really say? You know that, that God only visited Abraham three times in 25 years to confirm that covenant? That's once every eight and a half years, people. Can you imagine? God breaks in. You believe it's imminent because you're human. And eight and a half years go by. And you get a little bump. Okay, it's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's Gallica, it's rally. You flip up your cap and you're like, okay, okay, God broke in. It's been eight and a half years any day now. And eight and a half more years go by. Three times in 25 years, God spoke to Abraham. Here's what I, I, I want you to, to, to get out of our time together. Hopefully I'll restate it enough to where we are able to take something home today. Can I just submit to you that waiting is normal in the kingdom? See, you know, we, we sometimes we, we read our Bibles and like I, the book of Acts is, is such a classic example of that. You know, you're reading, you're like chapter one, God bless America. This is amazing. Like the Holy Spirit's getting poured out on all flesh. And this is amazing. And I don't realize there are actually years between the, between the pages and the, and the, and the chapters. I'm like, you know, they say as a rule of thumb, every, every chapter is a new year. You're like, okay, chapter three, that's year three. Three years have just gone by. You're like, chapter 10 and Acts, 10 years have just gone by. And, and, but, but we sit down and we read the whole thing in like five seconds. We're like, whoa, start to finish. And, and, and we start to kind of feel like in our popcorn world, you know, we start to feel like, man, God's like speaking and moving and doing all this stuff like all the time. And we forget the Abraham stories where God broke in to change the literal trajectory of the planet. Nothing insignificant. And he only speaks to him three times in 25 years. And it didn't happen immediately. See, I think some of you in here, you've been baking on promises of God. God's spoken things to you. He's spoken to you about your own families, about your own destiny, jobs, businesses maybe you'll do someday. Money, resources that you'll be able to give away. Some of you are contending to be generous people, like extremely generous people. And, and, and you feel like the Lord came to you and you had this moment where he spoke that word to you and, and year after year goes by and you didn't see the fulfillment of it. And the question for us is, in the waiting between the promise and the fulfillment, 
Will you trust God? Will you trust him? See, because Abraham aged to a point where, well, first, he started at 75. (laughs) So it's like he was already there. He was already at a point where it's like, it's impossible, I think, for you to have children at this point. I'm guessing your wife is fully menopausal. It's just normal human biology. You're going to be all right this morning. <laughs> so I think he even, he's, it's, like, it's not like he was 20, 25, and God waited 20 years. Bro was 75 years old when he, on the onset of it. But when you add 25 to that, help me out, mathematicians, that's 100 years old. See, that's the problem is we, we, we go through this period of waiting between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And a lot of times, circumstances around us begin to look like this thing ain't ever going to happen. There is absolutely no human or possible way that I could bring forth that promise now. I am a hundred years old. It's all part of the recipe. I don't like it any more than you do. But we are charged in the middle of it. It's, a, it's an opportunity. Here the other day, I introduced a Greek word called pirasmos. It's the Greek word that's interpreted trial or temptation. And, and, and in effect, what it means is that we are given opportunities in this life, by the way, opportunities that are common to everybody. So it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Just normal stuff. But opportunities that will squeeze us and they will prove what we really believe in our heart of hearts. That's what it is. And God's pretty okay with letting us squirm in that season. Because he's proving something out on the inside of us. Our job is to keep our eyes fixed. And to believe in him. And to believe the word, no matter how loud our circumstances are screaming at, them, at us. And, and to that end, it says this of, of, uh, of Abraham, I think. Where am I at? Oh, that is correct. I thought I was wrong there. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Come on, Jesus, Huffaker's about to give birth to something. <laughs> Listen to that. <laughs> or, or what he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. It's, it's easy to look at these things and kind of go, yeah, well, that was Abraham, and Abraham is like the father of our faith. He's pretty amazing, and I'm pretty not. No, to be honest, Abraham wasn't very amazing. He did some pretty stupid stuff, just like we all do, right? Do I need to remind you of the story where he was like, I don't want Pharaoh to kill me. Take my wife. <laughs> Take her. And I'm like, yeah, real man of God. <laughs> you know, so don't, don't, don't buy into the lie that, oh yeah, Abraham, father of our faith, he was amazing and I'm not. Yeah, none of us are amazing, but God, God's pretty amazing. But in this story is the prescription for your and my success. 
Did you hear it in there? Let me boil it down for you. Abraham, it says, did not look to his circumstances. That's what he said. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If he had looked at his circumstances, what do you think that Abraham would have found? Put yourself in his shoes. The, like the dude is between 75 and 100 years old, 100 when the promise was fulfilled. So we're talking about an older gentleman within that range of time, okay? Put yourself in those shoes. God comes to you and says, I'm going to birth a child through you that's going to become a mighty nation. I might be strong in the beginning, but as... The years click on. I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to kind of go, I don't know if I heard that accurately. I'm beginning to look at my wife, and I don't know that there's any hope at 100 years old of us fulfilling this promise. See, if he were to actually look at his circumstances, all he would see is a couple of older people well past the prime of their ability to give, to bring forth children. All he would have looked at was unfulfilled promises. You understand, 25 years! We've got to get ourselves into these characters if we're going to be able to apply the word to our own lives. 25 years. The dude's already as old as the hills. Post 75. You 75-year-olds are good still. <laughs> 25 long years. He's in the middle of this wrestling match. If he was to put his eyes on his circumstance, all he would see is an unfulfilled promise. Are you ever going to show up? Eight and a half years go by and nothing. Then God finally speaks a little whisper and he gets a little bit excited. And then another eight and a half years. And then another eight and a half years before he ever gets the fulfillment of it. Man, in year 99, I'm struggling. What's the prescription? The prescription was he wasn't looking at his own body. He wasn't looking at his own merit. Because if he's looking to his own merit, he's in trouble, right? Anybody who feeds his wife to the dogs, you know, uh, it wasn't by his own merit, <clears throat> safe to say, right? So if he looked to his own merit, he was in trouble. If he had looked to his own uh, physical capabilities, he was in trouble. If he looked to his own awesomeness, his own resources, his own money, if he had looked to anything other than God, he was sunk. The enemy would have had him. And this is the encouragement to us this morning. In the midst of our journey, in the midst of this season, this painful for most of us season between the release of the word and the fulfillment of the word in our lives, are we willing to keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher? You know what that means, right? It means that if it ain't good, he ain't done yet. That's how Chris Valentin says it, and I love it. If it ain't good, he ain't done yet. Are we willing and able to keep our eyes fixed on God when it looks like literally all is lost? We're at a point where if I were to put my eyes on my circumstances, it is literally impossible at this point for that word to come forth. Are we willing to be a people who believe God? Take him at his word and remain steadfast such that this which was described of Abraham could be described of us that we didn't waver, knowing the whole time that God was perfectly able to do what he said to us back in that day. Now, at this point, you might be like, how is this a Christmas message? 
No, that's just how we just dupe you with that stuff. Just <laughs> now, it, it's, there's a couple of things happening here. Number one, Pastor Misty talked to us about the, the righteous decisions of one individual and how it impacts generations, generations, and generations. You know, you're living right now for a generation that you cannot see. That the decisions that you are making right now to win the battles that you are facing right now are not just for you. They are for the generations that you can't even see. For some of you, that's why it's so heavy. You're not just fighting a battle that's just for you. And one righteous decision, one righteous man's course of action can literally change the trajectory of your entire family line and literally of the history of the planet as we see with Abraham. And in this case, it was Abraham's faithfulness in a season where he was blind and couldn't see when everything looked like it was rallying against the promise. It was his faithfulness to continue to trust God in the midst of that season that actually ushered in the season that you and I now get to feast in. The season where Jesus Christ would be revealed as the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. That starts right here with one faithful, with one faithful man, with one righteous decision. Can you see that this morning? And I can't help but think that as good Bible-believing people, Zacharias and Elizabeth, remember them from last week? This is John the Baptist's parents. I I can't help but think as we read through these stories that these guys who knew the Word of God, that they, in a similar situation of life, weren't looking to the story of Abraham to give them the faith that they needed to be able to live their own. How many of you know the Bible, the, the Bible says, is written for our instruction? These stories that we have, they're written so that you and I will win our battles without actually having to put our hand in the fire. <laughs> right? These guys went before us to instruct us so that we won't fall in the same pits. And we look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. This is at Luke chapter 1 as we begin that Christmas story. I want to read that first part again, starting in verse 5. It's speaking of them. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there, were, there, were, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abia. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. So they were both from priestly lines. And her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Can you hear the similarities? Here's what strikes me, though. If, if Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless before God, they clearly knew the word of God. Will you give me that? Yes, you will. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You know, it, they, if, if they were going to fulfill the commandments of God, they need to know what commandments they're fulfilling. So they know the Word of God. You know, and what strikes me is that you have these righteous people who are not only doing everything right, but as Pastor Misty last week rightly pointed out, who on the inside were doing everything right. So they were internally righteous, and externally they were those who were following the commandments to the letter, 
the Bible says. And yet we find them advanced in age, having been married for a very long time, and they don't have a child. Here's the reason why that strikes me. In Deuteronomy, the word of God that they would have been well accustomed to, it says this. It says, now it shall be, this is 28 verse 1, that if you diligently obey the Lord, can we just say that we found a couple who are diligently obeying the Lord? Can you see it? Okay. If you diligently obey the Lord, being careful to do all the commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth, verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. Verse 4, blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. And then skip to verse 11. He reiterates it again, and it's reiterated several times, by the way. And in verse 11, it says this, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body. Have I made a clear enough case for the fact that these people are obedient to God and the word? Then what's the problem? What's the problem? The word of God, like, like this is, do we believe this? This is the word of God. Do you believe it could be trusted? Do you believe that in this are the, the God, like God's word, like his, his inspired words, like his breath is in this. It captures his heart and his sentiment. Do you understand? Like this is, how do I say this? I should have invited Todd to say this. He'd say it better than me. I guess suffice it to say, do you believe it's the word of God? Do you believe that you can stand on it? Then, then what's the problem? And herein lies the quandary. You, you have these people who, according to the word of God, should not be barren. Did you read that? And yet somehow they find themselves barren. And I would add, for a lifetime. So now we find that if I'm Elizabeth and Zacharias, that the word of God's not working for me. Or at least it feels that way. Is that how you interpret it? God, you said in your word, if we obeyed everything, that there would be no barren among you, and yet here I stand barren. My wife in community is a spectacle. People in that era would have believed her to be in sin. So here I am in a season of, 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 of waiting and the people in the community, they, they believe that, that I'm in sin and I, I'm, I'm barren. It's like your word doesn't seem to be working for me, but it's working for the gal down the street. Betty didn't have any problem bringing forth kids. And listen, I saw what Betty was doing the other day. <laughs> am, I, am I being real enough? How come it's working for her, but it's not working for me? I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm the righteous one. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm the good kid. I remember Eric Johnson one time. He was the, previously the pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California. He said that, you know, here he was, a pastor's kid, had devoted his whole life to God, had devoted his whole life to righteousness. And here comes a friend from his youth. He gets saved, and he is a wild mess of a man, you know. And God immediately deposits an anointing and a fire on him, and the sick started getting healed. He started doing miracles. And Eric's like, what the heck? <laughs> like, hello? This is that moment for these guys. 
man, what do you, what do, you do when you've got this promise? And like, it's, it's, it's God breathed. Like he, like, okay, like maybe I missed it. Okay, you can't miss the Bible. It's written in ink, right? What do you do when you've got a word of the Lord and you're caught in the season of, of waiting where it doesn't look like it's being fulfilled in your life and it's like everybody else is getting it, but you're not getting it. You wait. You remain faithful. See, what strikes me about these guys is they had waited a lifetime for the word of God to be fulfilled in their midst. And yet of them, it still says they were righteous and they were upright before the Lord on the inside and the out. See, they weren't allowing what wasn't happen, happening. They, they weren't allowing their perception of the missed mark of God and the word of God that wasn't working for them to taint their heart in the season of waiting. They continued to remain faithful day in and day out to keep their eyes on the author and the finisher. They remained steadfast. They had, as we talked about a few weeks ago, endurance. They had endurance. So uh, I, I want to come before you this morning, and I know that there are people that are out there that feel this in a bad way. You're going, why isn't it working for me? So okay. God's up to something. It's part of the plan. He's moving in ways that you don't understand. He's preparing the vessel that is you. And, and the question is like, will we stand like the characters in the Bible that we read about? Will we stand in that place where it looks like the word of God is failing? It's not working for me. Will we be able to stand in that place where it looks like literally in the natural, there is no possibility of this thing coming true in my life. It can't happen now. Will we be able to stand in that place and still believe the word of the Lord? even when it looks like it's come to its full conclusion and missed the mark. This is what I would call a Lazarus moment. Lazarus moment. Do you remember the story in the New Testament? Lazarus, he was a friend of Jesus. And Lazarus was sick. It says sick unto death. One of the sisters calls to Jesus. Apparently they had cell phones back then. <laughs> And says, hey, your friend Lazarus, he's, he's sick. He's going to die. Jesus prophesies and says, this sickness will not lead to death. That's the word of God. And then he intentionally delays two days before returning back to deal with the problem. See, now you've caught yourself in this place where the word of God released a promise and over here, the fulfillment has yet to happen. What do we do in this middle? Here's what the problem is. In those two days, Lazarus died. Man, what I really want to drive home, you got to hear this. It looks like the word of God failed. If I was standing there in that moment, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Out of your own I believed in you. Out of your mouth, you said this wouldn't lead to death, but my brother died. It looks like the word was a bust. How many times in life have we been in this place where you're going, in my limited perspective, where you're like, 
It's a bust. You said this, and this is what happened. I laid at a woman's bedside for 15 hours praying for her. I shouldn't have brought that up. Who prayed three hours at the end for her to be resurrected? Man, we had promises. It didn't happen. What do you do in this journey when it looks like the word of God is failing you? You remain faithful. You keep your eyes fixed on him. You don't allow the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy to come in and mock your God. You don't allow him to come in with his doubts saying, did God really say this is impossible now? Or listen, and this is a big one. Or, well, you're disqualified now. You would have got it unless you hadn't, if you hadn't done those things. You'd have got that promise, but you screwed up. I'm going to remind you again, Abraham was not amazing. We don't have to be perfect because he's already perfect. What do we do? We, we wait on the Lord and we live our best life. And I don't mean that in, a, I don't mean that in like, a, like a fatalistic way. I don't mean that, well, I guess all is lost. I'm just going to do the best I can. No, I just mean like waiting in the kingdom is normal. Embrace it because God's doing something. God's doing a mighty work on the inside of you. He's preparing you as a people who can receive the answer to the prayer. That potentially without your preparation, it would kill you. (laughs) He's just too good to let that happen. Of course, the rest of the Lazarus story is that Jesus shows up on the scene and resurrects him. And see, here's the thing, guys. If we keep our eyes fixed on him, if we put our faith in God, if we stand on the word and we do not waver, no matter what it looks like around us, then when all is lost, when the word of God looks like it's failed and everything says that it's impossible for this to happen now, God breaks in and resurrects it all back to life. Sometimes I feel like our whole life is a Lazarus moment. (laughs) You know, we read the stories in the book of Acts Many of us have been contending for years for that reality. The Apostle Paul, he lands on islands and every single person who's sick gets healed. You know, Jesus lays his hands on everybody. Everybody who comes to him gets healed. You know? Peter, I just, healing's a big thing for me. That's what I contend for. So that's what, you know, comes to mind naturally. But, you know, Peter's shadow falls on people. People are getting healed. Articles of clothing, Chiefs jerseys, are sent to Broncos and Bills fans, and they get healed. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I read a word of God that says that that should be my fruit. So that's the word, right? Do we believe it? Will we stand on it? And so there's this season, a season of waiting between the word and the fulfillment of the word. And God's looking for a faithful people who he can show himself strong. 
He's looking for people who won't waver to the left and to the right. A people who even in the face of the very word itself not looking like it was going to be fulfilled. Saying, nope, my God said, and I'm going to stand on it. And all the naysayers going, yeah, but there's no way. And look at that. It didn't work. Nope, I know my God, and I am going to stand. What would it have been like if Eve had done that in the very beginning? Nope. I don't know who you are. You are a talented animal. I don't even know how you're speaking, slithering around like you are. You sound awfully wise, and I see that apple in your hand. But I know my God. And as confused as I am in this moment, as it doesn't appear like the word of God is being fulfilled in this moment, because he said, if you ate of that, if you'd even touched it, you should surely die. At least that was her perception. And here I am, not dead. See, it's the same thing over and over again. These characters exist for our benefit. That we may look like them. That we may contend like them. That we may walk in the victory of the battles. Here's the thing, guys. I'm convinced you can do it. I'm convinced that the God inside of you is bigger than anything this world's going to throw at you. Bigger than the enemy, his schemes and his lies. I'm convinced that you can do it. I'm convinced that you're going to make it. And here's the thing. When I realize all of this, then when it doesn't look like it's happening, I can actually step back into him and rest. Because truth is I can't make it happen anyway. You know, Zacharias and Elizabeth, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to make it happen. It was all God. It was all God. They just get to keep their eyes fixed upon him and stand on that promise. Is this making sense this morning? Father, we ask that you would touch our brains. That you would shake out every lie that the enemy has implanted against your goodness, against your faithfulness. And I'm asking that these stories of your word, where it looked like the word failed, but it didn't, that the next time we face a similar trial in our own life, that when we're squeezed, these stories would be what would come out. Nope, I'm confused. I don't understand. I don't understand God's timing. I would have just put it in the microwave. (laughs) I would have had this thing done yesterday if it was up to me. But yet here I am eight and a half years deep. But I know if I can't see it, my God's moving behind the scenes. He's working. He's preparing a vessel for his glory. He's preparing a people and a time and a place for the answer to that prayer. Let that be what comes out of us, God. Let faith come out of us. You said, when you return, will you find faith? Would you find faith in us, God? We yield ourselves to you, to your will, to your ways. Reprogram our thinking so that we're not so quick and so inclined by what we see and to put more faith in what we see than in your word. Help us, Jesus, because we can't do it on our own. And I thank you that we don't have to. If you're with us this morning, I had 
I had someone recently who'd watched me do something and they had said, oh, I, I, I want what that guy has. I want what that guy has. If you're with us this morning and you watch me on this stage and you're thinking to yourself, I, I want what that guy has. I want to just submit to you this Christmas season that Jesus wants nothing more than to give you what that guy has and more. If you're in here this morning and you have never heard of the name of Jesus, we're finding that's an increasing reality in our land. If you don't know who this is, you don't know who this guy is who is so utterly faithful, who's so perfect in all of his ways, and who has laid upon himself all of your sin to set you free. If you don't know this one, we want to give you an opportunity this morning to accept Jesus Christ. At prayer ministers, if you guys would come forward, these guys are going to be available as we close out our service. I want to encourage you to come. If you don't know him, we would love an opportunity at least to just talk to you about him because it's our favorite subject. <laughs> Jesus is as close as a, as a breath. He's as close as a decision. Just a quick decision, just like that. Yes, Lord, you can have this life. That's all it takes. And these guys will be here to pray with you. If you have any other needs in your body, they'll be, or your life in general, these guys will be here and available for you as well. Otherwise, Merry Christmas. Bless you all. Bring your family and friends. Bring your loved ones. We would love to see people get saved this season. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.